2: Good morning, Faith Radio family here on the 13th of June. This is Mornings with Carmen. It is, of course, the Mornings sans Carmen, the Mornings without, without Carmen. Carmen's edition. Yep. Yeah, indeed. Yep. This is Peter Capson filling in for today. Actually, looking forward to this entire week of filling in for Carmen. She is away on a, a long-needed and, and much-deserved holiday. She does such a great job covering the headlines, morning in and morning out with all of you, bringing the mind of Christ to bear into what are often very chaotic, difficult, and confusing situations. Great show to be a part of. Paul Perot in studio as always. Paul, great to see you. Good to see you too. We'll be starting this morning with the conversation uh, about something that is probably central. I can't think of anything more central to God's kingdom than this word, love. Yeah, well, you know, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is... Love is love, yeah. and and uh, as we invite Dave Beering into the show in just a minute from Lion Chair uh, Ministry, a, a pastor who's done a, a great article on this. There's a podcast as part of the Ministry Network. Dave is doing a sermon on this too. We we often think about what it means to be light in this world, and what it means to to bring something different into the world. Because if we're going to bring the mind of Christ into the headlines of the day, it isn't just how to think about these things; it is how we are. In the midst of all of these things, and and the one thing that I think Christians can offer more, perhaps, than than any other category of people is that we are meant to be inhabited by and to live within God's love. It, it, First John 4 says that, uh, beloved, let us love one another. For love comes from God, and anyone who loves has been born of God. But we have to be very clear that the love of God it, it, it originates with Him. It starts mm-hmm. with God, and then it begins. We we become channels, and it flows through us. And it's really what distinguishes us more than anything else in this world is is to be conduits of the fatherly love.
0: And yet, in in our culture right now, the term love is also one that gets so beat up or so stretched and put into ways that you know really doesn't lead to number one our flourishing as humans, and nor is it part of God's created design.
2: Well, And that's because love, as you said, has been co-opted it, it yeah. has basically it's a synonym for agreement and we, and we really only have two options well, and, among other
0: things, it's w- a synonym for
2: well it? indeed, but we you tend to see if you if I don't agree with you, I must hate you, and mm-hmm. if I agree with you, I must love you, but God's kingdom love is something that's very different God's kingdom love is operating to, to bring wholeness to all situations, which recognizes that there are things wrong in this world. And so we're going to talk with Dave in just a moment from First Corinthians 13. It isn't just a passage used for weddings. It's probably a familiar passage to many of you listening this morning about love is patient and love is kind. And we're going to walk through all of that and that is how we're going to at least start bringing the mind and just even the character of Christ into the headlines of the day. It is about nine minutes past the top of the hour. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen LeBurge this morning. And we are going to start our mornings with Carmen with Dave Buren this morning talking about love. Good morning, Dave. Hey, good
3: morning. Sounds like you guys are off to a
2: good and wild start this morning. It has. You know, never We've just started. Dave. Never We've a just dull started. moment, <laughs> Dave. Never a dull moment. Well, there's so many different things to talk about that are chaotic, that are difficult, that are confusing in this world. But uh, we talked at the top of the hour. Yeah, I'm sure you just heard, that part of it, too, that really what Christians can bring into the world that is different is love. But uh, you're giving a sermon on this this upcoming week, and uh, and there's also a podcast as part of your organization talking about love, specifically from First Corinthians 13. This, for some people, is a really familiar passage, and we are in danger, perhaps, of just glossing over this passage and the importance of it. But this really is central to how Christians are to operate in this world.
3: Yeah, it really is. And I... Uh... Like when you start jumping into this passage, you know, the thing that's interesting to me is the, even the first three verses, right? It's like we can gloss over that. and But but the reality is this, it, it shows me four contrasts so that that we become familiar with. For example, the first one, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, even if we function in our spiritual gifts, you know, we're really good at them and don't have love, it doesn't really matter. And then that next one, if I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries, all knowledge, you kind of get into that dynamic, but don't have love, I'm nothing. So even if we just have massive knowledge of the Bible, and we just are really smart on all kinds of stuff, and even if we had like these prophetic powers to see what's coming, all that stuff, it says, even if I have that stuff, I'm nothing. And then faith to remove mountains, I like got pretty massive faith, you know, Paul drawing there on, you know, Jesus's words. But I have nothing or I, I have not love. I am nothing. And then then the last one's pretty dramatic. You know, it's really sacrifice by giving away all that I have, deliver my body to be burned, which would be probably in that context, martyrdom. But have nothing or have, excuse me, but have not love. I am nothing. the The reality is I love how Paul starts off with things that that. Christians of the time would have assumed were the most spiritually mature things. And he says, mm, if you don't have love, you've got nothing.
2: Yeah, it's such an important uh, intro into this passage that it, we're not just, again, talking about one dimension of God's kingdom. We are talking about what makes Christians different. And Dave, before we get into this passage and some of the invitations of love and how, it, how we experience it in this world, I think it's really helpful to recognize that we're not trying to drum up internally becoming a more loving person that really the origin of love is god and our job is to surrender to god daily and ask his love to work in and through us and to grow in that love as opposed to some duty where oh i just have to love better today somehow no this passage is a very different invitation yeah no i couldn't
3: agree more and i think you know one of the things that i practically look at is i go back to galatians 5 16 to 23 you know the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit and One of the ways that I've kind of learned to measure things, because we think of that, again, just as you said, it's something that the Holy Spirit puts in us and grows within us. It's not a will, you know, will our way to it. But I've also noticed this. It's like when I it's like you can tell in situations, settings, relationships that you're in, whether people are operating in the flesh, even if we're followers of Jesus, Operating in the flesh or in the spirit, because if there are these lists of sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, dissensions, rivalries, those kinds of things, even if we function in those as Christians, it means we're walking in the flesh. We're really not walking in the spirit, which begins with the fruit of the spirit is love. So it's, it's quite an interesting way
2: to look at things and discern things as well. We're talking with Dave Buren this morning from Lionshare Share Ministries. You can see his work at lionshare.org. And Dave, let's get into this passage a little bit further. Okay. And I'll just read some, we could talk about any of these characteristics yeah. of love for yeah. an extended period of time. But 1 Corinthians thirteen four through 7 says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. Let's just start there, Dave. What jumps out from the paper and from these characteristics of love as you process that?
3: Yeah, I think the the love is patient. You know, that one, I think, hits hits all of us in a very unique way in our life. You know, the in the original language, it it does mean long suffering, (laughs) (laughs) and it it means to be slow to anger, slow to avenge. And I think when you look at this, it, it really is dealing with patience with people, not just life circumstances, patience with people. It's a decision not to give up on someone too quickly. Like as a guy that works a lot with younger leaders and and trying to invest in the next generation, I think one of the things we can do subtly is give up on young ones quickly. And I remember as a guy in my 20s having youth with a mission leaders around me to lovingly lead, guide, correct when need be. Um, I I like this Heather Zemple in our podcast. Uh, made this comment that, that love is patient can look like when you have the right and ability and maybe even a g- really good reason to give up on someone or to pull a power card on them, but mm. choose not to do so. Like, And again, I think that can be leaders. I think that can just be you know relationships, but you're in a position of authority that you can do the power play on them. And instead, it's being patient.
2: Yeah. And being patron, you you make this comment in your article that this is about playing the long game oftentimes with people. And and I think the ability to see that somebody's life story isn't reduced down to one page on that story, however difficult or uh, failing that page might be in their life, that to stay with somebody on the journey means that you're going to keep walking through the pages of their life with them. Uh, It doesn't mean you agree with all of what they are doing, but it does mean you're going to stay with them on the journey. It does. And it's
3: a, it's an interesting thing because I find that there are some people on on like maybe my end, I'm willing to stay with them in that journey, but they don't want me there. And that's an interesting dynamic too, because you just, it's like, sometimes people want to try to go it alone, or maybe they don't like something you did or said. And so, so then all of a sudden there's the pushing away. But I think, I think that's also where the love is patient. And the second one, love is kind, you know, um, move into that place you continue to walk in patience letting god be the one that can mend or whatever the case may be but you do that being kind and uh, it's showing grace it's showing mercy regardless Um, i like how heather said it in the podcast kind doesn't mean nice Mm. (laughs) because i think oftentimes we just think that's what kindness is it's just being nice but it actually in the original language it means to show oneself useful so kindness is actually being useful for another person.
2: Talking with Dave Buring this morning about First Corinthians 13. Dave, when we come back, there's a lot more in this passage. We'd love to get your take on what it means to not be self-seeking, for example, to rejoice in truth and to always protect. More to come here on Mornings Without Carmen. Everywhere you look
0: Everywhere you go There's someone else who really needs to know about the life.
2: You know, Dave, we talk about it often here on Mornings with Carmen. But Paul Perot is able to music mix like none other. I don't know is where he comes up not with this music. Awesome? It's incredible. Yeah, that'll you get you hope, up in the morning. Paul? It will. It will indeed. <laughs> indeed, chatting through First Corinthians thirteen, as love being the primary central characteristic of us as believers, it is a love that only can come from God. We can't drum up this kind of love ourselves, but we can operate within it and present it to the world around us. Uh, Dave, First Corinthians thirteen also says that love is not self seeking that is something that really can be disruptive in our relationships and our culture around us because so often people are are moving in self seeking kinds of ways yeah and I like how
3: uh, I think it's the ESV that says love does not insist on its own way and uh, you know I think that's a that's a big deal you know my first definition of love that I can remember I was a young missionary eighteen years of age and the the phrase they used was love is choosing another's highest good. And it, this self-seeking piece or insisting on our own way goes totally against the grain of that. It's just looking at yourself. It's choosing things to whether it's further your own agenda. Uh, it's just the things you're interested in. And I think, you know, love is really laying our lives down for one another that when I When I look at the practical part of, okay, what does love really look like? It's laying our lives down to fill up another's, right? And it's to to meet their needs. It's to help them with things they hope for. But sometimes this means making decisions against ourselves. And that's the way that I look at it. Like at times when my wife will say to me, Cheryl will say, honey, hey, can we go do this? When I may want to... Maybe stay home, put my feet up in a full week, just watch a ball game, relax. But she wants to go do something. And sometimes that means I have to make a decision against my own will, what I want to do. And I think that's part of being a follower of Jesus. It's, and it's not me going then with a big moaning face or you owe me or anything like that. But it's just going and being fully present and enjoying that moment but I think a lot of this not self-seeking means making decisions against yourself, but for the sake of filling up another's life.
2: And people know it too, don't they? They, they know <laughs> it when you are when you are working for their well-being ahead of your own. There, there's something that is in the air, in the water, in that relationship that yeah. really changes things.
3: Yeah, you're exactly right. And and it's you know it's a practice that again, if I'm really honest in my own life, without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in my life you know, the selfishness just wants to find its way. And so I'm very grateful for the Lord's presence in that way.
2: Mm, One of the more challenging ones out of this passage I find is where it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. And last night, Uh, Dave, as my family and I, we were celebrating Sabbath with with some friends and just reflecting on some things uh, from this last year. For some reason, uh, an event from a New Year's party this past year came up in my mind, and, and I realized I had too sharp of a tongue related to somebody mm. in that situation. And I didn't realize that some six months later after New Year's that I was still harboring some mm. measure of bitterness in my heart that had kept, I suppose, a record of wrong. But that is not the way that we're meant to operate.
3: Yeah, no, but, but it's an interesting thing because I think, <clears throat> excuse me again, as you've already pointed out several times, without the Lord's help in our lives. It's like, this is just impossible because there is that dragging out of another's wrong, holding grudges, throwing it back in somebody's face. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's the one upping, you know, yesterday I heard in a golf tournament because of the different golf dynamics going on right now that, you know, the person that had won one tournament kind of upped the other person in this different league now started yesterday. And a comment that was made, it was that, it was that dynamic of kind of holding things over another's head. And, uh, you know, the opposite for me of this would, of course would be forgiveness. It's just being in situations where I have to be quick to forgive. And if I'm really honest, there are times in my life that I when the thought just comes up, like what you were just rehearsing about, you know, in, in the new year, I, when it comes up, the only way I know how to deal with it is I just, if I'm, not, if I'm not with somebody or if I'm in my car, I just speak it out. If I'm in a group of people, I'll kind of whisper it. But I just kind of got to say, Lord, I forgive them. And I name them. Lord, I forgive Bob. I, I forgive Bob. And sometimes I, I just have to repeat that thing. And so the, the record of wrong that comes up in my heart is the trigger for me to respond in that way. And then I find after time when I'm with that person and I can go, I don't have these thoughts and feelings anymore. You know, forgiveness has had its way in me.
2: So helpful. David, passage concludes with some really interesting encouragements and and even admonitions. I I find one of the most compelling characteristics about another person is a person who's filled with hope and love Mm. always hopes. What does it mean to be a person who is always hoping? Yeah, I I think, um, you know, one of the things important to recognize about hope is it it
3: persists through dark times. Um, Love always perseveres. And um, I think in hope, You know, shouldn't we as followers of Jesus be the best dealers of hope? Like we should be the ones in situations that not just being optimistic or, Dave, you're always positive. It's not that. It's because we have this hope within us that we know who Jesus is. We know that he died. He rose again. He's alive today. And so because he's alive today through our lives, he can interact into any situation and bring all kinds of things to bear and so it's not just you know being optimistic about a better day you know it really is rooted in something of great depth that because of who jesus is there is a hope within us and so therefore if we can unleash hope through the expression of love i've watched it just almost like you know pouring a glass of water over someone's head on a hot day, you know, you can just see it's like, they just, they needed to receive that because they were so hopeless. And we're living in a world right now where there is a lot of opportunity to be hopeless. And that's where, again, in my own walk with Jesus, I've got to make sure I'm rooted in my times alone with the Lord, make sure that I'm um, surrounding myself uh, also by people that can include me,
2: so that I can be a, a distributor of hope. And it's part of what that passage says, that always be prepared to give an account for the hope that dwells within you, mm-hmm. because people can taste that. One more, Dave, that we can do here. We've got about a minute left. It does say at the end that love never fails. And if we just do the the logic or the math of this, the, it says that God is love and love never fails. We're talking about something that will remain all the way through this life and in the life to come. Yeah, I- indeed. It's a...
3: I like, again, the ESV says love never ends. And again, it means fails, uh, never fails, never perishes. Um, And I think one of the things that we need to realize, and again, I'm not here yet in my walk with the Lord, but it's continue by pressing towards it, is that when everything else and everyone else is gone or fails or, you know, there's just it just seems like there's no way out that. One of the things that remains standing when nothing else will is love. And, and we've made this comment a time or two already. It is, it's the long game. Love is in it for the long haul. And again, sometimes in our relationships, that's something we need the Spirit of God for, right? To be able to help us stay in it for the long haul. But I love how Paul punctuates it at the end like that. When everyone else and everything else is gone,
2: it remains. Yeah, Dave, thanks for getting us started this morning As we talk about some difficult situations in our world Which we will do throughout this morning From Supreme Court decisions to to warfare to gun violence All of these things that do trouble us But we as believers are anchored in this love of the kingdom Have a great rest of the day Yeah, you guys too, thanks We'll take a short break here And when we come back we'll be joined by Adam Carrington And we will talk about some of the legal headlines Coming out of the Supreme Court So appreciate Dave Buren starting out the show this way and in the invitation to, to interact with one another, to be stewards of God's love in his kingdom. And just can't emphasize enough that this is not just some duty or act of will that we are supposed to do. We are people that are to be filled with the love of God. And uh, however else we define ourselves as Christians, sometimes we think that the the best or the top Christians are those that know the most amount of scripture and of course we want to read and understand the scriptures or the best or the top Christians are those that get up in the morning and and have a quiet time or a prayer life uh, with God and of course do all of those things but it's pretty clear in the biblical text that the one thing that separates Christians from everybody else is that there is an otherworldly, supernatural love that begins to flow through us, and it just manifests itself in so many different ways. Paul, Dave, that what a great start to the show.
0: That was a great start, and I kept thinking of the old song from years and years ago, and they'll know we are Christians by our love. And it, you know you, you, what you just said there, though. I, I know somebody who can be down on themselves for, I don't have all this biblical knowledge. I don't have. It's like, yeah, but I see you living out love because of your love for God. You live that out so well. It's like (laughs) you are so far ahead of a lot of these
2: people with the head knowledge. Yeah. You said it so well. They'll know we are Christians by our love. And again, I am a person who teaches the scriptures. I'm a person who has studied the scriptures. It's been part of my work in university life for years and years and years. And I love the scriptures, but you can know all of the scriptures and have no love, but how will they know that we are Christians? By our mm-hmm. lover, our our other centered, self sacrificing, tender hearted, never forsaking compassion for other people to walk that out of the world. Great start of the show here this morning on the thirteenth of June. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen LeBurge. And up next, we'll be joined by Adam Carrington because there sure are a lot of topics coming out of the Supreme Court. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. It is Mornings minus Carmen this morning. Peter Kapsner filling in for today and for the rest of the week. And that very familiar music, for those of you as part of the Faith Radio family that listen on an ongoing basis, means that Adam Carrington of Hillsdale College is joining to talk about some of the important legal rulings that are in process or have just come down. Good morning, Adam.
1: Good morning. Glad to be with you today.
2: Yeah, great to hear your voice. I noticed in the headlines yesterday that it seems like there are some proposals being put forth for some bipartisan gun control legislation. What did you see in some of these headlines, Adam?
1: Yeah, this is a pretty big news because there hasn't been any even insignificant gun legislation for a couple decades. And there's been a basic agreement between 20 senators, including 10 Republicans, which means enough to get over the filibuster in the Senate, uh, senators to uh, do some 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 basic things that have come out since the shootings in Buffalo and in in, in Texas, Uh, and and the framework is in place, and they're going to have to work out the details, but the main parts of it seem that those with violent histories, it'll be easier to get access to knowing uh, those histories. Uh, There's going to be more restrictions on those with similar histories, um, and that there's going to be encouragement for states and funding to do what are called red flag laws, which try to push when someone might be in distress or someone might be in a position where maybe they shouldn't be having a gun to be able to to uh, remove those from them for the time. And so this is uh, uh, sort of uh, 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 shows that at least there's some momentum for a little more regulation of guns, but it also shows that There's a pretty strong lobby that whatever it's done, there's going to be a a pushback to make sure that it doesn't violate the Second Amendment. So uh, we'll see if this goes through, but it certainly shows that the, the needle has moved in favor of at least trying to see is there ways that we can make it less likely that people, disturbed people with guns can get into the situations that have happened recently and that have made such national news.
2: Yeah, this seemed to be a political loser if you wanted to stand the side of just free and open uh, gun laws in terms of how people understand them to be. And so I think there were a lot of Republicans that felt quite a bit of pressure to at least do something here. Is is there some kind of fear that this is just another step uh, along the way to what ultimately will be a a disarming of the population as some people express or fear? Is there any justification in that or is this a pretty mild step and it's maybe not going to go further than this?
1: This is pretty mild and I think will stay so as long as Republicans stay at least with a, a, a 50-50 Senate or close margins in the House, which really they're most likely to increase those in come November, given the way the midterms seem to be going. Um, in fact, if you look, the, the things that the Democrats and those who want much stronger gun control measures, this this leaves a lot off their list. And what it really does focus on is those with um, prior violent histories, those who uh, are struggling with mental health or other issues, which maybe might mean that having a gun might just not be good for their own safety and for others. Um, I think as long as it's not something that is applying to the population at large, that sort of slippery slope isn't likely at all given um, the, the the way this has been cabined in. You can tell that those who have a strong belief in the Second Amendment had and in and an individual right to own a gun in the Second Amendment had a strong play and a strong um, part in this, given the parameters, it was pretty finely drawn around a very specific set of issues.
2: And Adam, there always seems to be a difference between a law and then the effectiveness of that law. And is this a situation in which... Um, because there are regulations that are probably going to be put into play that, that limit access to guns with people that have a certain kind of mental health history. Uh, it, it seems to me that if somebody, though, still really wanted to get their hands on a gun, it would be relatively easy to do so.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, what we're going to have to do is is try this and see. I think it does give heightened ability to address these issues, and I think that in, in, in the end... Um, you are going to have to balance out some risk factors. I know no one really wants to hear that, but there are going to be situations where if a person is desperate enough, if a person is cunning enough, that their that still might happen. But I think what people have decided now is that it's, it's too easy, um, that there are things we can do short of confiscating all weapons. There are things we can do short of turning our schools into fortresses, which we really don't want to do for the kids' sake are there things we can do that can make it a lot harder and i think these have at least a chance to make it harder to do so which means more people will be deterred fewer people will be able to and then i think what we do is we we, we, we reassess and see uh, and one way i think to do that before another school shooting is just see are you seeing changes in violent crime in general uh can you see an uptick in how people are getting guns in maybe illegal ways, and I think that's uh, what what legislation has to do. It has to react to the situation and re react when that legislation creates a new situation.
2: Adam, one more comment on this. I think one of the the hard maybe realities is that young people so often are without family. They're so often without story. They're so often without a sense of hope in this world. And so it, we could have greater regulations on guns, but that's not going to solve what is maybe the root issue of of what's going on that is perhaps a generational thing that the church really can be involved with and that is the restoration of the family to help them create environments in which kids can grow up where maybe there isn't the levels of anxiety and depression and turmoil that there currently is because i've watched that all go through the roof i'm sure you have too you teach young people on a regular basis over these last 10 years the, the rise of the mental health crisis seems to be directly related to the breakdown of the family as well. So I'm not sure that all the regulations as important as they may be are actually going to resolve the root issue.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And and it, when you move beyond legislation, you have a culture issue. And I think you have people that are very lonely. They're very isolated. They are being spoken to by demons really, but they're demons that are working through online chat groups or, other means where very dark things can be said and very dark things planted and that there aren't those other structures of family and I'd say even community, a community around the family, be it the church, be it um, small towns, be it other things that really in the past could bolster and help people in need mentally and, and otherwise to, not, to to try to fight off all these temptations that really can 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 haunt people and and really be a struggle that then turns into something that can hurt other people as well and that's where we need to have compassion care and love for all involved for the people that are hurting from these tragedies and also people that are hurting and may lash out because they're hurting given their situation so i i think that that's something you're right the church really needs to come in with a lot of nuanced care and and the love of the gospel that's really what changes people. We know that and the world and the country needs to know that more than it does now.
2: And Adam, you're using the word disturbing there. One of the disturbing parts or expressions of this gun violence was the the desire to see a, a murder from somebody of, of one of our Supreme Court justices when Justice Kavanaugh was under threat and, and someone arrested outside of his home. That clearly was there to, to bring to bear some gun violence on one of the Supreme Court justices. This was very disturbing to see.
1: Yeah, it, it sort of shows almost, a, well, more than, it shows a dehumanizing of our, our, our public officials and a turning of our political enemies into uh, some, more just a, 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 an attempt to make a point uh, to, to, to perpetuate gun violence against someone because you're against gun violence uh, really shows uh, not just a bit of hypocrisy, but a a a, a not seeing the humanity of, of of one's political opponent. And the person was also, they said, um, or he said, uh, uh, upset about not just gun violence, but the uh, potential to overturn Roe v. Wade. And I think that shows that some of our issues politically have replaced our religious sense and that not only has it replaced our religious sense but we've been willing to perpetuate violence something that i think one of the great um, things that america and parts of the west have done is to say that we're not going to kill each other over our religious beliefs but this new secular-like religion uh, about guns would be about a guns be it about abortion uh, really shows that uh, it's it's, become a kind of God and that people are willing to do some pretty strange sacrifices for these new gods. And I think that is, is, is part of the disturbing thing with this Kavanaugh episode.
2: Yeah. And when you use the word fervor like that, and, and as a student of history, you see when this kind of political slash religious fervor begins to be present in a society, there's so often the this violent expression that comes from that. And, and I fear that there are probably people on both sides of the aisle that would actually sympathize with the, the assassination of the Supreme Court justice that would say this is probably good for the long- as disturbing as it might be it's probably good and you can see it on both sides of the aisle and Adam th- this is where we see history uh, teach us that societies break down pretty quickly unless we can pull back from these ways of thinking that's the voice of Adam Carrington we're going to step away for just a moment when we come back We'll talk a little bit about the rulings that we do expect the rest of the way from the Supreme Court, including everybody waiting for the ruling on Roe versus Wade and the abortion case.
0: It's
2: 14 minutes before the top of the hour. Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen this morning. We're chatting with Adam Carrington and Adam. There is quite a bit of anticipation about when the ruling on this abortion case is going to come down. And uh, I'd love your thoughts on that, the rest of the docket that the Supreme Court has in front of them, as well as just what we've seen with the erosion of trust within the Supreme Court as a result of all of this. Yeah, there's
1: some reports that the fact the court's been moving so slow is because of the leak, that there is this massive breakdown in trust between the justices. There's a breakdown between the clerks. They're not working together. They're not trying to find compromises. They're not trying to do um, the work that makes the court not just nine individual justices, but a cohesive head of the branch of, of, of one of the three branches of the federal government. And what they still have left to do is, of course, the abortion case. That, um, they're, that, that they're continuing to work on despite the leak that came out. But there's also some other big ones. Uh, anytime now, we were talking about gun violence. There's the first big Second Amendment case in, um, nearly a, in more than a decade where they'll try to uh, discuss about, um, permits to conceal carry and how far that can go. There's uh, a religious liberty case would be the other big one to keep an eye on. There's a, uh, we've talked about it on the show in the past, a a coach who was wanting to pray on the 50-yard line after football games. And uh, the question was, to what degree does a public official, because he was part of teaching or, you know, a teacher official of of a state school, uh, to what degree can that person express themselves religiously in a free way? And so I think that's going to have massive ramifications as well. And there's a couple that relate to uh, the bureaucracy, Uh, a big one related to the EPA, where we're going to ask how far bureaucrats can go in writing laws on their own versus leaving it to Congress. So I think if you if you see that gamut, there's going to be big cases across abortion, guns religious liberty, and to what degree um, we're making sure the separation of powers and the people's representatives uh, continue to make their own laws. So some pretty big things to come up, and who knows, some of those could come out even this morning.
2: Yeah, when do they tend to release the news? Because I was thinking about it this morning that uh, there's been a few Mondays now where people thought maybe some of the bigger rulings were going to come out. Does that usually come out mid-morning or so? 10 o'clock. You can, you can scroll
1: onto the Supreme Court's website, and the way they're doing it now is they're releasing them online every 10 minutes starting at 10 o'clock, uh, 10 o'clock Eastern time, I should say, so 9 o'clock Central, and um, the opinions will just pop up, and you can read them immediately, and they do it every Monday, and now that we're into June, which I've uh, jokingly in the past called Scotusmas, when they give all their uh, big gifts, Uh, they're going to be doing extra days so this week at least Monday and Wednesday those are going to be coming out we don't know when big cases are coming out until at least we get to the very end they have complete control they being the court of their own docket of when they release these in what order they release these and they're going to and the big cases take till the end because they're spending so much time um, rewriting opinions trading opinions making sure that every justice is okay with a decision before it comes out so that's why they take so long but they end up making june pretty dramatic mm.
2: you got some text coming in here adam and if you have a question for adam or want to text in anything about what we've been covering this morning you can text us at 877-933-2484 i'd love to hear from you and the questions that are on your mind too for adam and so many of these really important topics and adam I confess that I have not been following the January 6th hearings all that closely. I, I seem to not be able to keep track of w- what it is that they're having hearings for exactly and, and what the outcome of these hearings is meant to be. Take us into this a little bit because there seems to be some more hearings happening today.
1: Right. Uh, what the Well, so, of course, you have the, the, the hearings that the House of Representatives put together that is investigating what happened on January 6th, the overrunning of the Capitol, and the attempt to stop the uh, certification of the election of Joe Biden and and to stop particularly Mike Pence from um, his role in it. And what you've had is a revealing of what this committee has found and what they think is the narrative of that day. And uh, I, I think you're probably with a large, sizable amount of Americans. It seems that um, while uh, while people who are uh, have before were very interested in this have continued to be um, that that a lot of America is probably not paying a whole lot of attention. Uh, we're not seeing, I think, a whole lot of new information. I mean, some, but not. But the narrative has basically stayed the same about what's happened. And I think the fact that it wasn't able to be a full congressional hearing uh, that involved the House and the Senate has undermined its ability to make an appeal beyond um, people who I think have already made up their minds about it. So while we have learned some new things about what maybe possibly Donald Trump knew at the time about, um, we've certainly seen new images of the violence that happened. um, It's really not, I think, made a big dent on the national scene. And I think you're saying you haven't paid attention makes you uh, part of a lot of Americans, uh, ba- at least based on what I've
2: been seeing. Well, Adam, I'm hardly ever with a part of the in crowd or the popular crowd. So I'm not sure that makes me feel good this morning. But, yeah, it it just seems that uh, they're on both sides of the aisle, politicians know that they have to go back to their constituents and and report in things that they're doing. So it's always difficult. And again, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, it's difficult to discern whether it's political theater for their own constituents or whether there's an actual earnest attempt to make change. And And this seems to be one of those cases where maybe it's a mix of both.
1: Yeah, I think you're going to have mixed motives in any political system. You're going to have high motives of principle. You're going to have low motives of trying to get reelected or make money or do something like that. And I think I think you've got that here. And I think there are people who are genuinely um uh, offended and upset and aghast at what happened. And I think they've got good reason to be. That was a bad day for the United States of America. <clears throat> but you've also got, I think a difficulty in, in keeping the motives pure enough for people to be able to, across the aisle, really take the proceedings with the seriousness that I think this this kind of attempt should have been made. Uh, the, and and I think that's where you're, you're, you're running into the trouble there, is we're in such hyper-partisan times that we l- really don't trust each other enough to have this kind of conversation. The very... Partisanship that led to, I think, something like January 6th is now making it very hard for us to have the national conversation as citizens, not as partisans that we need to have. Mm.
2: Adam, we can touch on one more headline briefly. Uh, just uh, on a lighter note, we saw that there's the the celebration of Queen Elizabeth II, the Jubilee. I know she wasn't able to participate fully in the celebration, but it, it really is. It was. It was. I uh, had a chance to be there with my two daughters just a couple of weeks before the celebration, helping my one daughter get home from her overseas study, and we saw the grandstands being built out and people dressed to the nines as they were going to some of the Queen's parties, and, and delightful to be a part of. It, it made me think. Gosh, it would be really fun to have a king or a queen in our country but you're suggesting otherwise yes i think that the the the
1: development of monarchy's been really interesting because um what it it really in the past was a real political um power but it was based off the idea that you are born a king or queen and that you inherit it as part of being the son or daughter of a king and queen which inherently goes against, I think, a fundamental principle of ours, which is human equality. Uh, Human equality says that we choose our leaders by the consent of the governed, and that that's why we rejected a king. And I think that even today, with the monarchy being kind of a figurehead, it it really just um, uh, is a leftover vestige of The inequality, the concept that all men aren't created equal. And I think as we move toward July 4th and our own celebrations of our country, that is the fundamental reason why we don't have a king or queen because ultimately those kind of kings or queens are based in the idea that human beings are not created equal. That some are ordained by God to rule others, and that we have rejected that and said that no, God created us equal to rule ourselves through self-government, through popular rule, and that we've, I think, had a pretty good run with that ourselves over the past couple hundred years. So I think that's uh, been been vindicated at least as a legitimate alternative to the monarchy.
2: Well, Adam, you you have persuaded me intellectually, but my heart still would love to see you know the trauma and intrigue in theater that is a royal dynasty hey we're gonna uh tap you perhaps later this week if the abortion ruling does come down this week whether monday or wednesday we'd love to get your take on that a little bit later hope you're available
1: okay thank you that'd be great
2: we'll take a short break here and wrap up our one of mornings without carmen here on the 13th of june I don't know, Paul. I don't know what it is about royal family intrigue that just always has attention, but it really does captivate the world. All the way, I think back to Princess Diana and uh, how the world watched this—the drama of this American uh, young lady marry into the family—and of course, we see plenty of drama these days throughout the the kids and Harry and Meghan and and all this. Are you
0: thinking about when? uh, Who was that? It was the. This young child trying to shut me Yes, there was uh, yes, I, yeah it
2: was yeah it was k milton's uh he was quite the star of the jubilee <laughs> show well great to start out this hour with all of you as part of our faith radio family again we do love to hear from you in the mornings if anything that we are talking about prompts a question or a comment we would uh, love to take it in at 877-933- Two four eight four And Mindy Belts of Globetrot Blog is going to join us at the top of the next hour. We're going to cover some of the major international headlines of the day.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app.